I'm Christine and what a pleasure to be your online host today. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to Thrive and we're so glad that you're joining us this morning. I encourage you to visit mythrive.info or text new to 604-285-5770 to connect with us and receive your very own Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Here at Thrive, we love to keep everyone engaged. In fact, we have created unique biblical curriculum for children ages 3 to 12. Parents, head on over to mythrive.info and click Thrive Kids to get them set up with our online activities and Zoom classes from 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. This is a great way for children to be engaged with one another and in the fun biblical content that's specifically made for them while we continue our exciting message series called Rise Up and Wise Up. All right, everyone, I'm going to pass the time over to Pastor JB. Let's give him a big warm welcome by commenting in the chat room the clapping emoji. Have your morning beverage ready and let's head into today's message. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church, both on-site and online. It is so good to have you here. My name is JB, one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I'm so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church. If this is your first time here, a first-time guest in this place, you are what we call our VIP, and we're especially excited to welcome you here right now. In fact, if you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button that says New to Thrive, we've got a very very special gift for you that we'd love to send straight to your door. It's your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle. And it's beautiful. You don't want to miss it. It's just our way of simply thanking you for spending your Sunday with us. Can we give all of our VIPs in this place a big hand, big shout in this place together right now? It is so good to have you here. Well, you know what? Today is an amazing Sunday here at Thrive. And what we'd like to say here at Thrive is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so would you take a moment right now to welcome another the church? If you're joining us on site, would you go and give the neighbors around you an air high five or an air fist bump or an air hug and just say, it's so good to have you here. And if you're joining us online, would you go to your chat room right now or sit to the person that you're sitting beside right now and give them an air high five, an air hug or a real hug, whatever's appropriate and say, it is so good to have you here. So good to have each and every one of you here. You guys are an amazing church and it's always such a joy to spend time together. Well, hey, let me tell you really quick what's happening at the end of today's service. At the end of today's service, we're doing something called communion. Everyone say communion. Communion is our opportunity to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, how he died on the cross for our sins. And so if you want to take part in that today, we encourage you, if you're watching online, to go get a cup and you know, you know fill it with something that you like to drink, hopefully some water. We use grape juice here at Thrive Church to represent the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And we also use bread, unleavened bread, to represent the body that Jesus broke on the cross for us as well. If you want to grab a cracker, some bread at home, that is awesome. Here at the Thrive Center, we provide you with your own sanitized communion elements, and we'll be doing that at the very end of our service today, and so stay tuned for that. Another thing that we are super excited for here at Thrive Church is that on August 22nd, Sunday, August the 22nd, we are having our next Baptism Sunday. Can you give God a big hand for that? Praise God. 
Praise God, we have people already signing up for baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. Baptism is you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. That's really what it's all about. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, you've accepted him, received him into your life, maybe recently at one of our Thrive services or maybe a long time ago you received Jesus but you never took that next step of getting baptized, then this is your opportunity. If you wanna find out more about baptism and how we do it safely here at Thrive Church, then you can go to mythrive.info and touch the button that says baptism and we'd love to see you at our next Baptism Sunday. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't wait for baptisms can't wait for baptism. And hey, if you have questions about baptism, then, you know, not only do we have a lot of resources on mythrive.info, the baptism button to give to you, you can also come to our baptism Q&A. It's happening next week, Sunday, August the 8th, after each of our services, both on-site and online, we have a baptism Q&A, a chance for you to come and, you know, learn a bit more about baptism and also ask any questions you may have about baptism. And so we'd love to see you if you're curious, you're interested, you've got questions, you're thinking, oh, should I, should I not? Then we encourage you to come to our baptism Q&A happening after each of our services next week, August the 8th. Praise God, we can't wait for Baptism Sunday. Another thing that I'm super, super glad to share with all of you is that last week we asked all of you to give generously because in doing so, not only are we building toward the local church here, but we're helping in other causes that are also very, very dear to our heart and we believe to God's heart as well. We noted to you that last week, a portion of our offerings would go toward the Canadian Red Cross to provide aid and relief to people who've lost their homes and don't have a place to stay in the wake of the BC wildfires that are happening all across our province. And you know, you guys have been such a generous church all throughout the year, giving to all sorts of different causes. And I'm very pleased to announce to all of you today that we'll be donating $1,000 to the Canadian Red Cross to provide aid and relief to people in the wake of the BC wildfire crisis. Can we give God a big hand for that right now? Praise God. That's you guys being generous. That's you guys giving sacrificially so that we can help others who are in need. Turn neighbor and say, it's awesome to spread hope. It's awesome to spread hope. Thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for spreading hope in the most practical ways to help people who are in need right now. We're just gonna pray that God's gonna use these funds to bring real help to people who don't have a place to stay, who don't know where the next meal is gonna come from in the wake of the BC wildfire emergency that's happening right now. You guys are an amazing church and we're very, very proud of you. One last thing before we get into the message today, I wanna show you this. Ta-da! Do you know what this is? This is what we call our game booklet. If you know what the game stands for, the game stands for the God and me experience. And what we believe at Thrive is that you were made to experience God, not just on a Sunday, but every day. And one of the things we try to teach you in Thrive Disciples School and in other places here at Thrive is that you, you can have a daily relationship with God. And this is one of the tools that we use to do that. I want to thank Eric, who's one of our game booklet cover artists, uh, who created this beautiful drawing, this beautiful beautiful uh, piece of work that is uh, on the cover of our August game booklet. And if you look in the game booklet, basically what you have is you've got a passage for the day from the Bible that we'll be reading together as a church, a place where you can write down your thoughts, write down your observations, write down how you believe God is speaking to you through this passage, write down a prayer. And on top of that, you can also sign up for Pastor JB's game time sharing, where I'll send you an email saying, hey, in case you're not really sure what to learn from that passage, here's some things that I'm learning from this passage so we can walk through the Bible together. And so if you want to get to know the Bible better, if you 
want to establish a daily habit of a relationship with God every day, we encourage you to sign up for your game book. You can grab one on site here at the Thrive Center at the beginning of a brand new month. It's a perfect time to do it. Or you can also go to mythrive.info for more information as well. Turn your neighbor and say, you were made to experience God. You were made to experience God. Awesome. Well, hey, speaking of experiencing God and his word, it's time to grab your Bibles right now. And so if you could do this with me, if you have your Bible with you in hand, why don't you get it out right now? And why don't you hold up and you're like, so this is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message. And so let's say this in a big, loud voice together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life. And I will never be the same in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, by the way, if you're new to Thrive or you're just new to church generally, you've never been to church before, you're new to the Bible, you're new to Jesus, and you're just kind of exploring, maybe you're coming in from a different background or no background at all faith-wise, we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some community, a place where you can find some hope and encouragement as we start a brand new week, a place where you can even ask questions that are on your mind. And if we can be of any help to you at all, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to info at thrivechurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It is called Rise Up and Wise Up. And this series, we're looking at the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And we're trying to figure out this question is, how do you find hope and wisdom through the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is all about gaining wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. See, wisdom is something that we all need in life. Wisdom is not just, you know, book smarts. It's not just, you know, having you know, good grades in school. It's not just being really learned in one particular area of your studies or your work. It's not just being, you know, really bright or sharp. But being wise is about practical living. It's about making good life decisions. It's about knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it. It's about knowing, you know, how to, how to partner with the right kind of people. It's about, you know, be, making decisions that help you, that help others and glorify God in the process. It's about doing all those kind of things. And, and that's why we're looking at this series called Rise Up and Wise Up, because we can all use more wisdom. If you believe that, say amen. Turn your name and say, I could use more wisdom. I could use more wisdom. We've had an amazing time in this series. And if you've missed any episode of the series so far, I encourage you to go to our Thrive Church Vancouver podcast or go to our YouTube channel to check out every episode of the series. I think it's going to be a big encouragement to you. Well, today we're extremely blessed because we have someone very special bringing the message to us today. She's one of our best students here at Thrive Preaching School. And, you know, it's Olympics right now. And, you know, I don't know how much of the Olympics you're watching, but you're, we're, you know, they're, they're in the habit right now of giving gold medals to different people for different events and different accomplishments. You know what, uh, you know, this one very special person who's here to bring the message today, uh, you know, she deserves a gold medal for all sorts of things she does. She's an amazing mom. She's, uh, you know, an amazing leader in our church. Uh, you know, she has a gift of crafting words in a way that people can remember. Uh, in fact, the series name for Rise Up and Wise Up, she had a big part in, in uh, you know, to do with that and helping us create that name. When you hear her sermon title, you'll see that, man, she's got a way with words that helps you remember God's word in a powerful way. And, and even more than usual, she's not alone giving this message today. And I'll let her explain that a little bit more. Would you please give a warm, exciting, like just amazing Thrive welcome to Marcy Miseriego as she brings the message to us today. Let's give her a big hand this right now. Praise God. 
Thanks, Pastor JB. I am so excited to be here with you all this morning to be a part of this amazing series of Rise Up and Wise Up through the book of Proverbs. I love this book so much. I feel like every week that I'm here and I've been a part of this series, I've learned something new. And so today I wanted to share with you guys a very important part of Proverbs that has helped me grow as a person over the last few years. Speaking of growing people, as you can see, I am actively growing a little person right now. Our family is expanding and we're going to become a party of five soon. And because we are expanding, we're looking at getting a bigger car. Now, I don't really know much about cars. I don't really care much about cars. But with our last car, the only request that I had is that I wanted a sunroof. And as a bonus, our car came with this feature that I had never had before. And now I can no longer live without. Our car came with a blind spot camera. Maybe your car has one installed as well. And at first I thought it was kind of silly, but this blind spot camera has saved me from so many embarrassing and potentially dangerous moments on the road. Now, why am I talking about a blind spot camera? Well, in life, we all have these personal blind spots that we may not realize that we have. What's a personal blind spot? It can be anything. It could be a uh, behavior, um, a habit, a feeling, a thought that we have. And it's just an aspect of ourselves that we're not fully aware of because we tend to look at things from only our point of view. But just like driving without checking that blind spot is kind of dangerous and potentially reckless, not being aware of or ignoring your own personal blind spots can be equally as destructive and it can keep us from living the life that God intends for us to live. So luckily for us in Proverbs, there's some really great wisdom when it comes to navigating these blind spots. There's so much wisdom in this book and it's accessible to all of us, whether it's our first time here and we're just exploring Christianity or just exploring the Bible or we are seasoned members of the church. Today, I want to talk about four things that will help us rise up and wise up as we navigate this world. Number one, we're going to talk about why we have blind spots that we need to check. Number two, we're going to talk about who God has placed in our lives to be a blind spot camera. Number three, what do we do when someone points out our blind spots? And number four, when we are to be a blind spot camera for all of us or for others. So stay with me this morning and let's go on a journey together in a message that I've titled, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes, I love 80s rap, sorry. <laughs> so let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. I'm going to be reading from the NASB translation. And it says, better is open rebuke than love concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Whoa, what on earth does that mean? You know, sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and it's not really clear to me, I look at other translations to see if there's another version that I can better understand. So let's do that this morning. Let's go to the Passion Translation. It says, it is better to be corrected openly if it stems from hidden love. You can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but your enemy's pretend flattery comes from insincerity. This is really heavy, guys. <laughs> so let's take our time today and let's break this down. What is a open correction or a rebuke? 
It's not really a word that we use in 2021. I don't think many of us are walking around going, I rebuke you. At least I, I hope, I hope we're not, right? But a rebuke is similar to calling someone out for a mistake in an effort to help them course correct, similar to how a blind spot camera works. A rebuke is like checking that blind spot and needing to course correct when there's something there that we weren't aware of, either because we didn't know or we're ignoring that blind spot. Parents, we want our kids to make good decisions and we celebrate them when they do the right thing, but a necessary part of parenting is calling them out and rebuking them when they've made a mistake or they're about to make a mistake. It's not the funnest part of being a parent, but without love and discipline together, we're not gonna learn right from wrong. So without being made aware of these potential blind spots, we're never gonna grow to our very full potential. So have you ever been called out? It's not fun to be on the receiving end of a call out. It's kind of embarrassing and shameful and sometimes even painful. It doesn't have a positive ring to it. I wanna be really careful here and I wanna make a distinction upfront between calling someone out in an effort to be helpful to them and then putting someone on blast like the kids say nowadays. For those of you who are not kids like me, <laughs> putting someone on blast basically means that you're pointing out someone's error in an effort to bring them shame just because. There's a huge difference between criticism and correction. Criticism can be connected to meanness. There's a bit of uh, like an ego involved. What do I mean by this? Well, I had a relative who um, in her own way uh, would love me. I would go to her house for a holiday gathering or a birthday and she would greet me. And immediately she'd be like, your hair looks so dry, your pores look too big, your blush is on the wrong part of your cheeks and that outfit, it's totally unflattering. And I would be there like stunned. And she'd be like, honey, if I don't say this to you, who will? And it left me feeling so insecure. And I was not being called out. I was being put on blast. So what was the intention of her heart? I don't, I don't know. That's between her and God. But before we use these verses as like a license to say whatever we want, let's check ourselves and the intention of our heart before we wreck ourselves and those around us. So throughout Proverbs, a rebuke or a correction is seen as a very valuable form of teaching. And those who listen or heed to these rebukes are called prudent and wise. Rebukes are seen as a life-giving tool. Go to Proverbs 10:17, and it says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. The person who finds, uh, I'm sorry, the person who accepts it, accepts a rebuke, finds honor. Proverbs 13, 18 says, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. And lastly, God rebukes those that he loves. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. One of the most famous examples of an open rebuke is found in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, where the prophet Nathan confronts David after David's very scandalous affair. The story in the Bible is very well known, and if you haven't read it, it's, it's worth your time to, ch to check it out. 
We're not going to sugarcoat this this morning. What David did was wrong. It was a huge, huge, huge mistake. One wrong decision led him not only to commit adultery, but also murder. Nathan, being a prophet in, God's, in David's time, was someone who was used by God to communicate God's will to David. Now, David, if you don't know who he is, he's described as being someone that was after God's own heart. David is that man who wrote the most amazing and beautiful psalms that we still sing to this day. He was a successful and a powerful king in Israel. But this is the same David who sinned and sinned pretty badly. It's a lesson left for all of us that no matter how mighty and powerful we feel that we are, whether it's in life or whether it's in God's kingdom, none of us is beyond correction. None of us is immune from sin. Nathan, as one of God's prophets, knowing how much God loves David, knowing that David has a heart that loves God, it was Nathan's duty to be that blind spot camera to David and not let him go down that spiral of sin. God loved David enough to bring someone into his life to hold him accountable, to call him out, to tell him the truth that he needed to hear, even if it hurts, even if it was awkward, even if it was uncomfortable. It was not to shame or to embarrass David in any way, but to love David the way that he needed to be loved in that moment. So why are rebukes necessary? My favorite poet and author, Maya Angelou, has this great quote that says, when you know better, you do better. So how will you know better if no one tells you? Rebukes are crucial for our growth. Rebukes are, are something that um, God allowed David to experience because if he had allowed David to just kind of wallow in that sin, can you imagine how different David's life would have been? But God's plan and his purpose for David was greater than David's mistakes. And God's plans and his purposes for our lives are greater than whatever weakness or spiral that we find ourselves in. Rebukes are that necessary check to a blind spot in our lives that we might not even be aware of. Have you ever tried to change lanes and you forget to check that blind spot and all of a sudden there's this car coming out of nowhere? At that moment, you course correct until it's safe to make that change. You and I are going to face these situations where if we're not careful, we're going to get too prideful or we get too comfortable doing what we've always done and we think that we're beyond correction. That's something that I like to call a check yourself before you wreck yourself moment. When all of a sudden that car does come out of nowhere in your blind spot and that situation will spiral out of your control and now you find yourself hurt or you're hurting others and if you're not careful, that sin that you thought you conquered will take a hold of your life and if not handled carefully, it could lead to a very damaging situation. Check yourself and understand that rebukes are a necessary part of our personal and spiritual growth. Don't wreck yourself by becoming so spiritually arrogant that you feel that you are beyond correction. We'll let you sit with that for a little bit. When God rebukes you, when God calls you out, it's not to shame or to belittle you. When God calls you out, it's actually to call you up. God doesn't want you to be stuck in the cycle of sin and shame and sin and shame. He has called us out of this cycle and called us up 
to live in the path that he has called us to live on with the purpose that he has placed in each one of us. He loves us too much to let us continue with our reckless ways because he has something better than we could have asked for or imagined. Instead, with humility, let's see these rebukes, not as being called out, but as being called up to something greater. Ask yourself this. Is there a blind spot in my life that I need to address or be aware of before it's too late? One of my blind spots, <laughs> one of my many blind spots, has not been able to admit when I need help. Anyone with me? I've been a follower of Jesus for more than half my life now. And if I look back on my journey, some of the most pivotal moments of spiritual and, and personal growth have come from moments when I've had to be real and I've had to be vulnerable in the presence of God. When I had to let my guard down, when I had to tear down the walls that I had built around my heart as, as like a defense mechanism, I didn't want anyone knowing that I didn't have it all together. I didn't want anyone thinking that my life was not perfect. I didn't want anyone judging me. To the world, we can pretend, but with God, we can't. 1 Samuel 16, 17 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. The man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In addition, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you have your Bibles, can you underline weary and burdened? God doesn't expect you to reproach him when you have solved all your problems, when you have it all figured out, when you're in a great mood. That's not when God expects you to approach him. You can, but you shouldn't only do it then. God wants you to approach him in the middle of these problems, when you are feeling weary, when you are feeling burdened. And that's the time where you come boldly before God and you say, God, I'm struggling. God, I need help. And you know, as I read the Gospels, one of the things that gets me every time, one of the things that moves me every single time is Jesus and his vulnerability in the presence of the Father when he would go and pray. The same Jesus that would calm the storms with just his words, that same Jesus knew that it was important to be honest and open in front of God. Jesus was not afraid to say exactly what was on his heart. He calls to God and he says things like, why have you forsaken me? Or my soul is so troubled. There's so much power in just being able to speak these honest words. And if Jesus turned to God when he was troubled, why is it that we turn away from him when we are? The first and most important person that we have in this world that will help us in our time of need, who will help us with these blind spots is God. When we come to him in prayer, when, as Proverbs says, we diligently seek him, not just Sundays, but every day, then he will speak into our lives. When we have that habit of talking to him, of, of being in his presence, God will speak into our hearts and the Holy Spirit is going to reveal these blind spots that are holding you back or they're holding you down. Now, you know, maybe you're thinking, Psh, I've never heard God speak to me. What does he sound like? Well, let me ask you this. How will you know God's voice when your Bible is closed? How will you know what God sounds like when you don't even know how he speaks? The Bible, it's more than just a collection of 66 books written by 40 authors. The Bible is the living word of God. If you want God to speak to you, you have to know what he sounds like. 
Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, pay attention to what I say and turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. God's word is health and life to our whole body. God's word is that mirror that we can hold up to ourselves and we can see the condition of our heart. It's meant to correct your direction. It's meant to offer you a different perspective, a different vantage point. God's word is where we find that rest that we're looking for. Here at Thrive, we make it really easy for you. And if you haven't signed up for um, Pastor JB's game time and you're looking to get into the word, this is one of the best tools that you can use to do that. Because every day, Pastor JB does an amazing job of breaking down the word in small chunks so that we can all follow along and easily digest and understand it. In addition to God and God's word, you know who else God uses to help us become aware of our blind spots? Turn to your neighbor on your right and your left and ask, is it you? (laughs) The answer is yes. God uses this family, the church, to help us in this journey. But let's be clear. We aren't here to just call each other out all the time. No. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. We are to build each other up. We are to affirm and encourage one another towards what Jesus has called us to do. Now, there are different types of people that can come into our lives to be this blind spot camera, depending on the season. There are those who maybe are living in a similar season as us, and they're there to help us and keep us on track moving forward. Maybe we have a similar goal or we have a shared goal. My husband is a huge Kobe Bryant fan, and he's going to be so excited that I'm going to share this story. (laughs) But um, he shared this story with me that I feel like perfectly illustrates this kind of relationship. Kobe Bryant had a reputation of being kind of tough on his teammates. And one of the most famous riffs in sports history was the big Kobe versus Shaq. Kobe would get so upset with Shaq because Shaq would be on time for practice, but Kobe would be there four hours early. Kobe would be so upset with Shaq when he would leave to go do his commercials because Kobe would be there putting in the hours in practice. Now Shaq, on the other hand, would be upset because Kobe would be so demanding and he felt that Kobe was trying to take the limelight and the spotlight that was meant for Shaq. Who says men can't be dramatic, huh? When he was asked about this feud in interviews after they both retired, Kobe said something along the lines of, we won many championships together, but I know by pushing each other harder, we could have won more. Sometimes the people placed to be our blind spot cameras are the ones that are going to keep us on track and keep us moving towards the goal and, and keep us moving in the direction that we need to be in. Do you have a Kobe in your life? I don't want a Kobe in my life, quite frankly. But, you know, maybe you're a mom in this place and you have a group of mom friends that are going through a similar season and you're there to encourage one another and say, you know what, I'm tired, but this is just a season. Or maybe you're in university and you have a friend that has that goal of graduating and you're both pushing each other and like, yeah, we're almost there. A few more exams left. We can do it. The other 
thing it could be. Um, it could be someone that has already lived in a similar experience to what you've lived or is in a position that you aspire to be to or you aspire to be someday. And they can help you by giving you a different vantage point and guide you when you need to course correct. This could be someone like a mentor, either a personal mentor, a professional mentor, a pastor, a parent, a, a grandparent, someone who knows that life can get crazy and whatever life throws at you, they can call you out when you need to course correct. Someone who has walked through that valley of the shadow of death and has come through the other side and can help you with the wisdom that they've gained. Ask yourself, what has God placed in my life to be a blind spot checker in this season? Is it a scripture? Is it a person that he's nudging you to reach out to? Is it God calling you to sit in his presence more often and be vulnerable with him? So what do we do? Now that we know that uh, blind spots, we all have them, rebukes are a necessary part of our growth, we know what God has left for us are the tools that we have to be blind spot checkers. What do we do when someone points out our own blind spots? How do we react? Let's go back to our verse here in Proverbs. It says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. A long time ago, I had an encounter with a friend that I still to this day regret how I handled. This friend knew me really well and we were very, very close. I had so many great memories with her. Um, we were each other's cheerleaders. We cried together, we laughed together. And um, I started dating this guy that uh, she didn't know very well. And uh, I had only known him for a few short weeks. My friend met him a couple of times and she had a chance to talk to him and get to know him. And she pulled me aside and she said, Marcy, I love you and I love seeing you so happy, but you're changing so much of who you are for this person. There are things happening in this relationship that you know are not okay and maybe you should slow down and think about this. This was an open rebuke stemming from her love for me. She was really specific about her concerns. She didn't judge me. She didn't condemn me. She was the friend that God knew I needed at that moment. She was the blind spot camera that I desperately needed at the time. Looking back at the interaction, I know that I could have saved myself a world of hurt had I listened to her and had I paid attention to this open rebuke. Did it hurt? Yeah. It hurt a lot because it meant that she, she wasn't in agreement with my decisions, that she didn't approve of my choices. It meant that she saw flaws in my plans and, and in my mind, she saw flaws in me. She was my friend and we had never had any kinds of disagreement before. And now she was telling me this hard truth out of love. I know it must have been really, really hard for her because nobody wants to hurt a friend, but to not say anything to withhold this kind of truth, that's not love. When we're in a position, when we're receiving a rebuke or a correction, one of the first things that we need to do is be humble. Say, be humble. Going back to our example of David and Nathan, 
David had a choice. He could have told Nathan off. He could have been like, how dare you confront me? I am the king of Israel. Or tell him, like, mind your own business. Or my personal favorite, one that I've used many times, only God can judge me. But how did David react? Let's read 2 Samuel 12, 13. He says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's it. There was no justifying himself. There was no arguing. There was nothing like, well, you know what, Nathan? It was only a little adultery, and it was only a little bit of murder, and everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. No. Full stop. David knew this was wrong. He was wrong, and he recognized how far he had fallen, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord. I wish I had responded like David when my friend called me out, but in my pride and my stupidity, I brushed her off, and I, I, I told her to mind her own business, that she didn't know what she was talking about. It really damaged our relationship for a long, long time. Had I listened to her, things could have been different. So when you're on the receiving end of a rebuke, be humble. Another thing is don't harden your heart or be deceived by sin because sin is deceitful. In Hebrews 3.13, it says you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Lastly, when you're on the receiving end of a rebuke, and this one's really, really important, evaluate who you're going to accept correction from. What do I mean by this? If any of you have ever spent any time online on social media, we see how this concept of rebuking or correction has been abused. If you've been around Christian circles for a while, you've probably heard the term speaking the truth in love based on Ephesians 4.15. Many people have used this um, term when they're openly rebuking someone to justify the things they're saying because they are speaking the truth in love. But the problem is when we're speaking the truth in love and we use it as a sledgehammer to hurt people, especially now in the age of social media. Everyone feels their need to, to share their opinion and share their thoughts, whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they're ugly. And I, I've been so discouraged because I see people who have, I love Jesus on their biography, and they have some of the most cruelest and disheartening posts, and they're passing them off as, I'm just speaking the truth in love. No, that's not what that means at all. Will we always agree with each other with what we have to say? No, not always. But normalizing this kind of behavior of making people feel like less than doesn't accomplish anything. Making others feel belittled, what does it accomplish? Now, I promise I'm not up here pretending I'm some sort of saint. You can ask my husband. There have been many, many, many situations where I have my Twitter fingers ready to go because I have to share my truth and love. But I got to remember, I need to check myself and check where my truth is coming from. If my truth is more about me having power or me having the last word, or me gaining the upper hand, then we've lost sight of what that actually means. The truth should always point us back to the love of Jesus. The truth should always point us back to the mercy and the grace that we get to walk in when we invite Jesus into our hearts. Our verse here in Proverbs, it doesn't say, faithful are the wounds of the internet trolls. No, it says, faithful 
are the wounds of a friend. Real friendship, it's an authentic relationship that is based on honesty, respect, and love. A true friend is someone who inspires you to be the best version of yourself possible. A friend is someone who knows you and knows your walk with God. A true friend is motivated by love and is willing to say the hard things out of love and because of love. Proverbs 12:26 says, "The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." If you have your Bibles, underline that first part, "The righteous choose their friends carefully." Why is that important? Because if you're going to be wounded, and for those wounds to be faithful, like our verse says, meaning that they have some value or some service to your growth, they have to come from faithful friends. A faithful and godly friend who is committed to walking in wisdom with you. Someone who values the things that God values. Someone who models the behavior that God would want us to model. They are kind. They are considerate. They're gracious. They're loyal. If we look back at Nathan and David, Nathan didn't have this hidden agenda going on that he knew what David was doing, so he was going to hold this against David and manipulate David to do the things Nathan wanted to do. No, Nathan didn't speak the truth in love and, and use that as a sledgehammer on David's life. No, Nathan's sole purpose in this was to get David to see how far he had strayed from God, to call him up from that sin that is the purpose of an open rebuke, to be that blind spot camera to each other and say, yo, bro, this is not okay. We know better. Let's do better. I'm not just calling you out. I am calling you up. These types of friends, are they hard to find? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Especially as you grow up, especially as you enter adulthood and everyone has different things going on, different priorities, but you know what? A friend like this is worth the investment of your time. Creating this safe space, creating this friendship, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it takes effort. Some of my very dearest friends have come from a small group here in Thrive. And I'm not trying to like shamelessly plug small groups, but I promise you, when you gather with a group of people who are seeking God just as much as you are, who are intentional about spending time together, who are intentional about seeking to walk in wisdom and are motivated by love, there's something special that happens there. There's a, there's a safe space where you can come and you can say, guys, I'm not the perfect Christian. Guys, I'm struggling. And they will say, you know what, me too. If you haven't already gotten plugged into a small group, I promise you're missing out. Turn to your neighbor and say, get plugged into a small group. Accepting rebuke, it's not easy. And when it's our turn to be on the receiving end, let's remember to be humble and let's use wisdom to discern who we are accepting corrections from. So we've established that rebukes are necessary to our personal and spiritual growth. We've talked about who and what God has left to help us when we come across situations. And we've talked about how to react when someone rebukes us. 
Now the complicated issue is, when am I supposed to be that blind spot camera for others? When am I supposed to rebuke someone? And when do I mind my own business? I struggle with this one a lot because I love to just mind my own business. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But is it love if I mind my own business and I withhold a truth that can help someone grow? When do I call them out and when do I hold my tongue? How do I rebuke someone in a way that's going to build them up instead of tearing them down? This is another check yourself before you wreck yourself moment. If you see someone that's about to drive off a cliff, I'm pretty sure you're going to be like, stop, stop, right? Well, the same thing should apply when we see a friend about to drive off a spiritual cliff. We all will come across situations when we need to be these blind spot cameras for our friends. We see our friends heading down a path that maybe is not healthy for them or making a decision that is going to affect the life, their, the rest of their lives. And we feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit going, faithful are the wounds. It might be scary. It might be a little uncomfortable to call someone out. So before we say a word, it's important to determine if this is a relationship between two people who are seeking to walk in wisdom, do you know them? Do you know where they're at with their walk with God? Would you call this person a friend? Now, I have like 500 Facebook friends, but they're not all my friends. A friend is someone who, if you call at 10 p.m., they're going to pick up the phone. I have a hard time with people criticizing and speaking the truth in love to someone that maybe they've never met or when they do it online. Our job is not to be this online troll. Our job is to be a faithful friend in real life. You don't want to be that person that challenges your friends more than encourages your friends. Being a jerk is not a personality. You don't want to be that friend that corrects more than builds up. Balance is going to be key. So if you're going to correct someone, check yourself and check the intention of your own heart. Make sure that that correction is coming from a place of love and that's going to be beneficial to the receiver. The fact is, when your love for God is a priority, it's going to empower you to love those around you well. The healthier your relationship is with God, the healthier your relationship with others will be. When you check the intention of your heart and you can see that someone is driving off a cliff or they're limiting themselves because they're unaware of that blind spot in their lives, then you know it's time to say something. Rebuke should always come in the context of a loving relationship. And maybe a clue for you is you should never rebuke someone that you don't also love. Some other clues that you might find helpful to know when it's appropriate for you to say something could be when the issue is so serious that you cannot continue in this relationship in a healthy way without talking about it. Some examples could be um, you find out that your friend lied to you or you find out that someone's been gossiping about you. That's the time to speak the truth in love. Or number two, when the issue is so serious that someone is going to get hurt if nothing is done. Like my friend who warned me about the relationship that I was about to embark on, she knew that I was going to get hurt. 
Other examples could be if uh, someone is thinking of harming themselves or harming others or is becoming addicted to, to a substance and you know that it's serious enough that you need to speak up. Let's look at our verse in Proverbs one last time. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. My friend from years ago knew, she knew that if she didn't say anything, it was going to be a disservice to our relationship. She would be concealing her love for me. She understood where I was at with my walk with God, and she knew the goals that I had set for myself. Um, And she knew that I was getting further and further away from that goal. I've shared with you before, I, I was determined to be the first person in my family to graduate from university. And, you know, out of hurt for her comment, I, I ended up ending that friendship and I started surrounding myself with, with um, people who I thought were my friends. They were hype people, right? The, they were like, yeah, go Marcy, YOLO, you do you, boo-boo. And, and, you know, it was great to have them at a party, but at the end of the day, there was really no substance to them. They weren't supporting my goals. I would say, man, I, I really don't want to go to class today. And they'd be like, oh, blow it off. Let's go party. I would say, oh, my gosh, this homework. This homework is so hard. Oh, you don't need it. Let's go hang out. And it became a really unhealthy pattern for me. And they would say, you'll be fine. You're so smart. Don't worry about it. And they weren't pushing me towards what I needed to do. And before I knew it, my grades slipped. I lost most of my scholarships and my financial aid. And I found my goal of graduating university getting further and further away. I can't blame them. I can only blame myself. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. When I found myself feeling helpless and not sure what to do about this school situation, I turned to these friends and I I asked them, you know, what should I do? And their advice to me was, you're already so smart. You don't need a degree anyways. I was sitting there and I was watching my friends that I had graduated high school with and they were now graduating university and it was killing me inside. I needed help and I needed it from a real friend. As I stepped back and I was able to get some perspective on the situation, I realized that these people were not my friends. They were, as Proverbs teaches us, enemies with their pretend flattery of me coming from insincerity. I learned so much from that experience, and I wish I had heeded or listened to the advice that Proverbs leaves us. In the right context of a friendship, we all need to be brave enough to say what we need to say, the hard things out of love sometimes. But before you speak the truth in love, remember these three ABCs. Ready? A, ask the right questions. Make sure that you understand the situation before you speak. My friend, going back to my example of my friend, my friend waited until she had met and spent some time with me to fully understand what was happening with this other person. B, believe the person. Believe in the person. Emphasize your belief in them and acknowledge the positives first. My friend didn't call me out right away. She wasn't like, Marcy, what are you doing? She acknowledged how happy I seemed and she told me how much she loved me before she said the things that she needed to say. And C, challenge. 
gently let that person know how they can improve in a practical way. My friend was very specific about her concerns. She was very clear and she was direct. And when it's possible, have this conversation in person, privately, face-to-face. Don't do it via text message or worse on social media. A correction can come across really differently in writing without being able to see that person's face or hear how they're speaking. If this looks familiar, and I hope it does, this is part of what we learn in Thrive Discipleship School. If you haven't signed up for one of these courses, it's not too late. I know rebukes and corrections are not a subject that we talk about in church very often. It's not easy. They're not attractive. There's nothing like motivating about it because it makes us look inward at parts of our lives that need work. But as unattractive as they are, we know that rebukes are crucial for our growth. To apply that wisdom that we find in Proverbs, we have to accept that we all have these blind spots that we need to check. In other words, Proverbs is a huge check yourself before you wreck yourself book. Here are some ways that we can apply that in real time. So check yourself and ask What has God placed in your life to be that blind spot camera in the season before you wreck yourself in thinking that you are beyond correction? Check yourself and be humble when accepting rebuke. Avoid wrecking yourself by using wisdom to discern who you're accepting correction from. And lastly, check yourself and the intention of your heart before faithfully wounding a friend. Avoid wrecking yourself by not speaking the truth in love. There's a quote that I love and it says, hard times will reveal true friends. And I know it's based on Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. There is no greater friend. No one can, who can speak more truth into our lives than Jesus. Sometimes we see Jesus as only our Savior and we forget that he's also there to be our brother and our friend. Jesus lived through the disappointments. He felt our heartbreaks and he knows all too well what it means to be betrayed by a deceitful kiss. He paid that ultimate price for us on the cross for our sins and our mistake. And with that, he didn't withhold his love from us. He made his love known and available to each of us every single day. Jesus is that friend that loves us at all times, the brother born for time of adversity so that we can call out to him and we can seek his wisdom and we find his love waiting for us. Jesus is not calling us out. He is calling us up from our sin and into his mercy. It's not too late to check that blind spot and course correct. And you know what? If you've sideswiped a few cars and made some dangerous turns and you have some scars to show for it, God can and he will use those to write a greater story in your life if you let him. God will use those moments, those experiences for our good. We learn, we grow, and we do better. He loves us too much to leave us as we are. He wants to see us all live in the joy and in the mercy and in the peace that he's freely providing to us. If you've never asked God for forgiveness before, it's not too late. It's not too late to check that blind spot and course correct. 
If you want to bring your blind spots to God this morning and receive his forgiveness and his love, let's pray together. There's a QR code on your screen. And for those of you watching us online, it's going to be on your screen and there's going to be a link in the chat to mythrive.info. Let's pray together. And if you've already prayed this before, join us in supporting those who are praying this for the first time. Go ahead and scan that QR code now or check out that link. And let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And you rose again to give me life. Today I open up my heart and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate for those who have received this special gift into their heart today. If you've prayed this prayer, let us know. Don't keep it to yourself. We want to be part of this journey with you. If you are online, go ahead and scroll down that page and let us know so that we can mail you some tools and, and a gift to welcome you into God's family. And if you're here right now, please stop by the Welcome Center and pick up your gifts. We want to be a part of this journey with you. Now, the second group of people that I want to pray for are those of us who maybe have been driving with our blind spot cameras turned off, or those of us who struggle with accepting rebuke when needed, and those of us who are needing the wisdom to be a blind spot camera for our friends. Let's take a moment to pray. Let's take a moment to, to commit to seeking God diligently, openly, to be vulnerable in his presence so that he can strengthen us, so that his word can be life to us and health to our body. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of correction. Thank you for knowing what I need, even when I don't see it. Thank you for leaving your word and your presence to guide me. Thank you for faithful friends to speak the truth and love to me. Thank you for teaching me how to love others well so that I too can be a faithful friend. Teach me to speak your truth in love. Teach me how to love like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you watching online, don't forget to get your bread or your juice or your water, whatever you have ready to go so that we can celebrate communion together. And for those of us who are here, our serving team will be coming around to pass out the communion element shortly. God bless you all. Thrive Church. So wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross is spoken mercy over me.
is here No heart could fully know How glorious, how beautiful you are Beautiful one I love Beautiful one I adore Beautiful one my soul So wonderful is your unfailing love Your cross has spoken mercy over me No eye has seen, no ear has heard No heart could fully know I'm glorious, how beautiful you So powerful, your glory fills the skies Your mighty works display for all to see The beauty of your majesty awakes my heart to see How marvelous, how wonderful you Worship him in this place. Oh, so beautiful. 
a big shout let's play together right now I want to thank Marcy for that powerful message and as we go into this next time called communion this is our chance to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and if you prayed the prayer just now to receive Jesus Christ into your life hey guess what you can take communion as well we welcome you to do so and you know, here on site what we've done is in a sanitized kind of way we provided you with your own communion elements uh, and so here we've got kind of like a two-in-one cup it's got the you know the bread at the top it's got the juice uh, you know down to the bottom uh, maybe you're here joining us online and you've got your your own cup and, and bread we're gonna do this together as a way to thank God for what he did on the cross for us sending Jesus for us and so right now I'm just here to say as we take our cup and our take our bread said on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took a cup said this cup is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of many people's sins do this in remembrance of me so with a thankful heart in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done I'm just going to take this bread and then I'm going to open up the cup here and I'm just going to dip this into the cup and you can do the same and we're just going to dip it into the cup and let's take this in remembrance of all that Jesus Christ has done let's do this together right now let's pray together Father, there are no words to describe just how incredible of a gift you gave to us when you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for loving us enough that you would give up your own son so that we could somehow have a chance to be with you. We thank you so much for your incredible love, for your mercy and forgiveness that covers our lives, and that when we had no way of reaching you, you found a way to reach us. We thank you so much for the hope that comes, not only from the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, but also rose again from the grave. And so we thank you today, we give you praise, and we ask because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, that your blessing, your protection, your presence, your healing, your comfort, your wisdom, and your Holy Spirit fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? You guys are an amazing church. Don't forget to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings, knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. You can go to mythrive.info to give. That's it for us here at Thrive Church today, but our worship continues. Let's continue to worship God in all that we do. We'll see you guys next week for an episode of Rise Up and Wise Up that you do not want to miss here on site. Make sure you pre-register for next week online as well. We'll see you guys really soon. Praise God. We love you. God loves you. Praise God, the best is yet to come. Take care, everybody. Wow, what an encouraging message from Marcy today. I definitely wrote down lots of great notes. Really blessed to hear God's word on such a glorious day today. Now, let's jump into some announcements. Whether you're joining us for the first time on site or online, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Please connect with us by visiting mythrive.info or by texting new to 604-285-770 so we can mail it to you. Or if you're joining us on site, we want to meet and greet you. You can simply visit our welcome center outside the exit to pick up your water bottle. You may have prayed the prayer earlier today to receive Jesus. Congratulations! I still remember years ago when I prayed the same prayer during a low point in my life and it was one of the most life-changing decisions I've ever made. Share your great news with us by visiting mythrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to help you build your relationship with God and so we've prepared a gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. For those who are joining us on site, you can pick up your gift at the Welcome Center after service. If you're wondering what the next step is after you receive Jesus, it's baptism. Baptism Sunday is on Sunday, August 22nd. And during this time, getting baptized might look a little different than usual, but we're committed to help you have a great baptism experience that is also safe for everyone involved. If you're interested in learning more about baptism or you're not sure whether baptism is for you or not, we actually will be having a baptism Q&A next Sunday, August 8th after our 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. services on site at the Welcome Center or online over Zoom. So if you'd like to find out more about baptism and our baptism Q&A, head on over to mythrive.info or visit the Welcome Center. Thrive Church will continue to meet both on-site and online at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. So you can join us wherever you feel the most comfortable. We're equally excited to see you in person or online. For those who are coming to our on-site services, we have safety protocols in place and be sure to pre-register beforehand. For more information or to pre-register, please visit thrivechurch.ca slash reopening. And be sure to invite all your friends and family to join us for our next episode in our Rise Up and Wise Up message series as we dive in deeper in finding wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Alright, so that concludes our announcements today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I encourage you to head on over to mythrive.info and click online giving. If you're joining us in person at Thrive Center and would love to give with cash or checks, we also have an offering box by the auditorium wall on your way out. Thank you for joining us today on this lovely Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the week and don't forget to pre-register for the on-site service next Sunday. I'll see you all next week right here at Thrive Church online and on-site. See you soon!